Welcome, everyone. You are listening to Truth in Christ Radio, the Bible teaching radio ministry of Calvary Chapel of Rochester with Senior Pastor Rob Kellogg. And you know, God is always good about reminding us. He doesn't want us to think that we heard it. He wants to know that it's in our, that we've heard it. It's called accountability. And, and the Lord loves to remind his people. And that's why in the scripture, you'll see so many reminders. And you may wonder, well, why does he have to keep on reminding us? Because we need to be reminded because we keep falling into the same silly things. We struggle with things that are spiritual because we are in this flesh and God wants to deliver us from the mindset and this old nature. And that's why the Bible says that we must be born again. It's not even an option. You must be born again. Hello, everyone, and welcome once again to Truth in Christ Radio for today. Pastor Rob starts our study today in chapter 5 of the book of Deuteronomy. We know that this book is also called the book of remembrance. And in this chapter, Moses reminds the nation of Israel of the Ten Commandments handed to him by God on Mount Sinai. Why the reminder of God's law? God knows how his people lose sight of what he teaches us sometimes and always makes sure we know his will for our lives. Pastor Rob teaches us today that we are all subject to our old nature. And that is why Jesus tells us that we must be born again so that we can overcome our old sin nature. Here's Pastor Rob with today's message. Well, let's open our Bibles to uh, Deuteronomy chapter 5. This chapter tonight is very familiar to us because we remember it because of the Ten Commandments. And if you remember when uh, they were led out of Egypt, every one of that first generation died in the wilderness because of their unbelief. And so as Moses, as he is literally, they're at the precipice of the promised land. And so he's taking this time, and that's what Deuteronomy means. It just means a second telling. It doesn't necessarily mean second law, because it's just a reiteration of what had already happened back in the book of Exodus and in Numbers. And so he's rehearsing for them all the things that God had done and all the things that God had commanded. And it's good for us to be reminded, because that, that generation perished, And now they are this next generation, and God wants to remind them again. And you know, God is always good about reminding us. He doesn't want us to think that we heard it. He wants to know that it's in our, that we've heard it. It's called accountability. And and the Lord loves to remind his people. And that's why in the scripture, you'll see so many reminders. And you may wonder, well, why does he have to keep on reminding us? Because we need to be reminded because we keep falling into the same silly things. We struggle with things that are spiritual because we are in this flesh, and God wants to deliver us from the mindset and this old nature. And that's why the Bible says that we must be born again. It's not even an option. You must be born again. You must be born again. And so tonight, if there's any doubt in your heart, you know, pray with someone. You know, I'd love to pray with you. But, you know, make sure that that item of business, it's the most important thing you'll ever make a decision on is 
What are you going to do with Jesus? So it's very important. And God reminds them. And so, again, this is a reiteration of what has already been spoken. And so, as you can see up there on the screen, this is this, um, the end of the first... Um, or I'm sorry, uh, we're, we just finished the end, and now we're beginning the second sermon, I'm sorry, uh, by Moses. And there's four of them. And this one's going to last really from chapter 4, verse 44, where we're beginning tonight, and it'll last until uh, chapter 26, verse 19. And it really just speaks of the covenant obligations of the children of Israel. So let's get right into verse 44. It says, Now this is the law which Moses set before the children of Israel. And these are the testimonies, the statutes, and the judgments which Moses spoke to the children of Israel after they came out of Egypt. And you know, when I read that, sometimes we can just read by a sentence like that or a a verse, and there's a lot in there. In fact, if you look, there's testimonies, statutes, and judgments, and Sometimes it can be kind of hard to determine or discern what the difference is between them, but they're each very different words. And so if we look at this, we look at the very first one there, the testimonies, this really just speaks of witness. And it literally means testimony or witness, and it's always concerning divine uh, testimonies, which God is going to be giving. Let's just read Genesis chapter 21, and we'll look at verses 22 through 31. And it kind of gives us an idea of, of what this idea of a testimony is, because this is the very first mention of that very word in the scripture, the very first Hebrew word. And it speaks of uh, a covenant that uh, Abram had made with Abimelech. In verse 22, it says, And it came to pass at that time that Abimelech and Phicol, the commander of his army, spoke to Abraham, saying, God is with you in all that you do. Now therefore swear to me by God that you will not deal falsely with me, with my offspring, or with my posterity, but that according to the kindness that I have done to you, you will do to me and to the land in which you have dwelt. And Abraham said, I swear. And then Abraham rebuked Abimelech because of a well of water that Abimelech's servants had seized. And Abimelech said, I do not know who has done this thing. You tell me, or you did not tell me, nor had I heard of it until today. And so Abraham took sheep, he took oxen, and he gave them to Abimelech. And the two of them made a covenant with each other. And Abraham set seven ewe lambs of the flock by themselves. In verse 29, it says, Then Abimelech asked Abraham, What is the meaning of these seven ewe lambs which you have set by themselves? And he said, You will take these seven lambs from my hand, that they may be a witness. And that's the word that we're looking at. This idea of, of testimony is literally a, a, a witness. And so this is a witness between you and me. And so that's what that means. And it's the very first time we see that word in all of the scripture. He says, take, this, take these you lambs, these seven lambs, as a witness that I have dug this well. Therefore, he called that place Beersheba, because the two of them swore an oath there. And so, you know, again, you can read by these things, and, and you don't really look into them. And, and, and it just kind of caught my mind this time through. And, and there's a difference between them. And the very next one is uh, statutes. And this literally means something that's prescribed, a, a limit or a boundary or a requirement. And we can look at an example of that in Exodus chapter 30, beginning in verse 17. And again, these are nuances, but it's, sometimes it's good to know that there, these words aren't just put in there for no reason. I, I thoroughly believe that every single word in the Bible is there by design, and the Holy Spirit made specific made it very clear to those who he was revealing himself to. They wrote these things down meticulously. 
And it was, it's not like us today. We write a letter and it's just kind of like full of errors and all kinds of stuff. And it wasn't that way. When God spoke to a prophet, he wrote down exactly what God told him to write down. And it was perfect. The original scriptures, the manuscripts, were flawless. When we get into translations, sometimes we run into small little errors, but they really are nothing in the grand scheme of things. They don't take away from the content, the, the doctrine of the Bible. And, and people get all uptight about that stuff. I don't. Because the originals were flawless. And God's word is uh, stand sure. But an example of this statute is in Exodus chapter 30, beginning in verse 17. I'll just read it to you. It says, Then the Lord spoke to Moses, saying, You shall also make a laver of bronze with its base also of bronze for washing, and you shall put it between the tabernacle of meeting and the altar, and you shall put water in it. For Aaron and his son shall wash their hands and their feet in water from it. How nice, because if you're going to sacrifice an animal, guess what? You know, we miss the, the, the visual part of the sacrifice. And I, I would, I'd be willing to believe that even if we still had those animal sacrifices today, which obviously we don't, because Jesus Christ is the only lamb. He is the lamb of God. There's no need for us to be sacrificing anything. He did it once and for all. But if we were to take a lamb up here on this platform and, and we were to sacrifice that lamb here on a Sunday morning, everybody would flip out. In fact, very few people would probably come back. Not, not just because of, of, of that it's wrong for us to do that, but the horror of seeing an innocent little lamb having its throat cut and the blood being poured out and then that lamb being dismembered and put upon an altar if we were to do that here, each one of us would think very differently about our sin and how much our sin is a reproach to God. And see, that's the kind of thing that we fail to see. I remember seeing one time a video of uh, a Jewish man in, in Israel, and they did this sacrifice, and I saw it. And I tell you what, after I saw it, I wish I hadn't, because I literally wept afterwards, you know, because you see this lamb, and I, I don't want to go into graphic detail here, but as they take that, that razor blade and they cut that carotid artery and it starts to bleed and that lamb is just sitting there and its eyes are wide open, these big, beautiful black eyes, and slowly the life is just entering or you know, coming out of it and it lays there and it lays there and it starts to get weaker and weaker and weaker and finally it starts to convulse and then it's over. And you think to yourself, and that was the easy part. You know, and then the, 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 the Levites would, would, you know, depending on the sacrifice, they would dismember that uh, lamb. But anyway, that, that's, that's how awful our sin is. And, and when you see something like that, you're like, oh my gosh, Lord, <laughs> this is how serious it is. There was a sacrifice in my place, a substitute in my place. And if a lamb doesn't get you, where do you see the Son of God on the cross? I mean, if we were there to see what happened on that cross, and it's good because we're taking communion tonight, you know, but he hung on that cross and there was no sin in him. He was spotless. He was the only one who fulfilled the law completely. He was without sin. And yet all of the sin of the whole entire universe was placed upon that one suffering servant. And for the first time in all of his existence, God the Father looked away because he cannot look upon sin. And see, the brutal beating and the torture that he went through on the cross is nothing compared to what the eye couldn't see, and that is the separation from his father for a time and for his father to look away and for Jesus to give up the ghost willingly 
laying down his life. And I tell you that, if we were to see it, I'm sure we would be even more horrified and more broken and falling on our face. But here in Exodus, he says, You shall make a laver of bronze. So we're talking about this word statute. He says, you shall put it in between the tabernacle of meeting and the altar, because they would need that to wash after the sacrifice. You shall put water in it, and for Aaron and his son shall wash their hands and their feet, because there's blood everywhere, and uh, in water from it. And then they go into the tabernacle of meeting, or when they come near the altar to minister, to burn an offering made by fire to the Lord, they shall wash with water, lest they die. So they shall wash their hands and their feet, lest they die. And it shall be a statute. There it is. It shall be a statute forever to them, to him and who his descendants throughout their generations. So it's a statute. It's a, it's a requirement. If you can get that, it's a, it's a boundary, a limit. And then finally we get the judgments. And this is one that I think we can understand a little bit better. A little different shade of meeting, but the idea is a verdict. And I think we'll see this in Deuteronomy, or I'm sorry, in Exodus chapter 21. It says, now these are the judgments which you shall set before them. So a judgment is something specific. It's something that's determined. It's a verdict. He said, now these are the judgments which you shall set before them. If a Hebrew servant, he shall serve you six years, and in the seventh year he shall go out free and pay nothing. If he comes in by himself, he shall go out by himself. If he comes in married, then his wife shall go out with him. And he goes on for the rest of those uh, up up to verse 6. But the idea is... It's a, it's a judgment. It's a verdict. This is, what I, you know, this is something that's solid. This is what you need to do. As we look back at verse 45, he said, These are the testimonies, the statutes, and the judgments which Moses spoke to the children of Israel after they came out of Egypt on this side of the Jordan, in the valley opposite Beth Peor, in the land of Sion, king of the Amorites, who dwelt at Heshbon, whom Moses and the children of Israel defeated after they came out of Egypt. Now, this place, um, Beth Peor, is this area right in here. If you're looking up on the screen, you can see it. It's this red dot right here, and right above that is Heshbon. That's where the king of Sion, uh, King Sion, the uh, king of the Amorites, one of them, Og, the king of Bashan, was the other one. But right below that, just south of Heshbon, was this place where Moses now is with them. On this side of the Jordan, meaning on the east side. Whenever you see on this side, it's always speaking of the east. Um, whom Moses and the children of Israel defeated, speaking of these two Amorite kings. Verse 47, And they took possessions of his land, or took possession of his land, and the land of Og, king of Bashan, two kings of the Amorites who were on this side of the Jordan toward the rising of the sun. And where does the sun rise? It rises in the east, and it sets in the west. Right? So it's coming over on the east side. In verse 49, And all the plain on the east side of the Jordan, as far as the Sea of Arabah, Below, I'm sorry, I skipped a verse, verse 48. From Aurorar, which is on the bank of the river Arnon, even to Mount Sion, that is Hermon. And all the plain on the east side of the Jordan, as far as the Sea of the Arabah, below the slopes of Pisgah. And you can see uh, in this uh, photo up above, we've seen this graphic quite a bit since we started this, but this is a really good representation. Everything you see circled in red here is the place that they took possession of. Everything down in the south belonged to Sion, king of uh, uh, the Amorites, and then Og, king of Bashan, everything up in the northern part, all the way up to Mount Hermon. It's a beautiful mountain. It's very big. Even on a, uh, on a summer day, you can be standing there on the Golan Heights and look over at Mount Hermon, and it's snow-capped. It's so tall, and it's really beautiful. And so finally, we get into 
the next section here, which begins in verse 5, and it speaks of the Ten Commandments. And remember, we know that they were given to us in Exodus chapter 20. And so this is just a retelling of those things. And you know, if you would, turn with me to Exodus chapter 19, and we're going to look at something that I think is really interesting, because we are no different than the children of Israel. We like to think that we wouldn't do the things that they did, but the truth of the matter is we are all flesh, and if it wasn't the Jews, it would have been some other people group, and we all would have done the same thing. I'm convinced of it. So we can never look at them and say, you guys are just really pathetic. I would have never done it. (laughs) We can't really say that. But notice, we're just going to look at the first chapter 19, verses 3 through 7, because in this we're going to see something really interesting about the human nature, (laughs) as if we need to know anything more about it. But before, we know that in Exodus chapter 20 is when the Lord gave the Ten Commandments to Moses. But prior to that, notice what happens. Read with me in verse 3 of chapter 19. It says, And Moses went up to God, and the Lord called to him from the mountain, saying, Thus you shall say to the house of Jacob, and tell the children of Israel, You have seen what I did to the Egyptians, and how I bore you on eagles' wings, and and brought you to myself. Now therefore, if you will indeed obey my voice and keep my commandments, then, notice the if-then statements, the Bible's full of them, conditional statements, If you will indeed obey my voice and keep my commandments, then you shall be a special treasure to me above all people. For all the earth is mine, and you shall be to me a kingdom of priests and a holy nation. These are the words which you shall shall speak to the children of Israel. And in verse 7 it says, And so Moses came and he called for the elders of the people, and he laid before them all these words which the Lord commanded him. And then all the people answered together and said, All that the Lord has spoken we will do. Notice, all that the Lord has spoken, we will do. All that the Lord has spoken, we're going to do it. We're going to do it. We're going to do it. And they had a pep rally, and they're going to do it. They had big signs, we are going to do this thing. Get it done. We're going to do this, right? And then we look into the next chapter, and God gives them the Ten Commandments. Finally, we come to chapter 24, and let's look at the first eight verses. Again, this is after The Ten Commandments have been given. And now he said to Moses, Come up to the Lord, you and Aaron, Nadab and Abihu, and seventy of the elders of Israel, and worship from afar. And Moses alone shall come near the Lord, but they shall not come near, nor shall the people go up with him. So Moses came, and he told the people all the words of the Lord and all the judgments. And all the people answered with one voice. Again, notice, all the words which the Lord has said we will do. And Moses wrote all the words of the Lord, and and he rose early in the morning and built an altar at the foot of the mountain and the twelve pillars according to the twelve tribes of Israel. Then he sent young men of the children of Israel who offered burnt offerings and sacrificed peace offerings of oxen to the Lord. And Moses took half the blood and put it in basins, and half the blood he sprinkled on the altar. And then he took the book of the covenant, and he read it in the hearing of all the people. And here it is again. And they said, all that the Lord has said, we will do and be obedient. Now, I don't believe for a moment that they were insincere. I think they really wanted to do the right thing. And, you know, there is a thing in each of our hearts where we desire to do the right thing. And sometimes our flesh, especially in moments of temptation, opportunity comes up, we don't even know ourselves. And that's really my point in bringing this up is even though they had a heart to do it, 
we want to do this. And then God tells them the law. This, this, is, this is your old nature. <laughs> you know, this is what you, you cannot do these things. And so afterwards, they, they say, you know, we're going to do this thing. We're going to do this thing. And so continue on with me now. God is speaking with Moses again. And notice at the end of chapter 31 there in verse 18. It says, And when he had made an end of speaking with him on the Mount Sinai, he gave Moses these two tablets of the testimony, tables of stone written with the finger of God. I would have loved to have seen that table of stone, wouldn't you? Because when you look at that, if we were able to, able to look at those tables, if they were made available to us, you're not going to see chisel marks. Do you understand? There's not going to be a tool that's, that's going to be evident on that stone. God wrote it with his finger. He just burned it in. It's probably the most beautiful thing you've ever seen. No chisel. It's with the finger of God. If it was with a chisel, then God didn't do it. You get my point? I know I think weird thoughts like that. Do you think weird thoughts like that? Hang out with me and you'll think weird thoughts too. But I think about stuff like that. But notice what happens on the very end of that. And so the people have a desire to do it. They said, we're going to do it. The law was given. We're going to do this thing. And then what's the very first thing that happens in chapter 32? While Moses is up on the mountain again, up there again for 40 days and 40 nights, what happens? The people are down at the bottom of the camp, and they're getting restless. Where did this Moses go? Where did this guy who brought us out of Egypt, where did he go? And after 40 days and 40 nights, they're getting a little frustrated. And so they began to impose on Aaron, his brother, his older brother, and say, you know what, you gotta, we, want, we, wanna, we wanna revert back to, we wanna go back to Egypt. We wanna, we wanna worship. Aaron takes the gold off all their ears, you know, all the earrings, and he melts them, puts them in the fire. And out comes this calf, right? It says that he shaped the calf. And Moses comes down from the mountain, sees this, this mess that they have made. He breaks, he throws down the tablets. He breaks them because God, they broke God's law. But see, in their heart, they really desire to do it. Have you ever had good intentions but found within you the, the, the lack of power, the lack of strength to continue? And there is that in each one of us, especially if you don't have the Lord in you. If you are not born again, you are like a sitting duck for the flesh. So easy are we, are we manipulated by the flesh, especially if we don't know Christ, especially if we're not born again. But even as a child of God, we are not exempt from these things, and we all know that, don't we? Because we all struggle with the flesh at times. But the law was never meant to be a means of salvation. It wasn't like God was showing us these things and saying, I'm gonna, uh, if you can do these things, you can enter into heaven. No, it was an indictment against the nature of man. These are the things that you can try, but you're not going to be able to do them. And I'll prove it to you. <laughs> Right? So he writes these Ten Commandments, and we can't even get through a day without breaking one or more of them. But the law was given to us not as a means to achieve salvation by it, but actually to coming to an end of ourselves. Lord, I can't do this. God loves to respond to desperation. Have you ever been desperate in your sin and said, you know what, Lord, I am so sick of myself? Have you done a sin and continued to do it over and over again? And you're thinking, God, when are you going to deliver me from this? And he goes, well, about the time you really hate it. <laughs> because sometimes I love my sin, and I'm not willing to give it up. I want to hang on to it. It's a pet. And I pull that pet out every now and then, and I scratch it behind the ears. And it purrs, and it gives me warmth and solace and peace, little comfort. As I pet that little thing behind the ears. 
And the Lord is saying, crucify it. Unfortunately, that's all the time we have for today. But please join us next time as Pastor Rob continues our study in the book of Deuteronomy. Calvary Chapel of Rochester is located at 2503 Browncroft Boulevard, Rochester, New York, 14625. You can reach us at our church office between 9 a.m. and 4 p.m. Monday through Friday at area code 585-586-3140. If you would like to have an audio CD of today's message mailed to you in its unedited format, Simply mention today's date when contacting our church office for ordering details. And that number again is 585-586-3140. You can also contact us via the web by logging on to www.calvaryrochester.com. There you will be able to access a number of useful things such as information concerning our beliefs, ministry and contact information, our location, and service times, and much more. You can even download the radio and sanctuary messages in MP3 format free of charge from the resources link. You can also listen to these messages on your mobile device by going to Calvary Chapel of Rochester on Google Play or Apple Podcast. We're so glad that you could join us today. And if there is any way that we can bless you in your walk with Jesus Christ, please don't hesitate to call our church office. Remember, Jesus said, I am the way, the truth, and the life, and for this cause I have come into the world, that I should bear witness unto the truth. Everyone who is of the truth hears my voice. May God bless you in abundance today as you walk with him. And until next time, this has been Truth in Christ.